So the portion of scripture that we'll study today is from Hebrews chapter 10. What are we doing here? Verse uh, 19 through 25. If you want to follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Um, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing it, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. We were meant to do this life together. So we're coming to the end of our spiritual discipline study, a series that we've been in all summer. A lot of you have seemed to really resonate with this series, and uh, I really think God has been using it to begin to kind of nudge us toward a more vibrant, active relationship with him. Tonight, what I want us to do is talk about a spiritual discipline that we might not think about quite as often when we talk about other spiritual disciplines like prayer, scripture reading, some of the other ones. It's the spiritual discipline of friendship. I saw a recent study that found that 46% of adults in the U.S. regularly feel lonely. If we were talking about the measles, that would be an epidemic. There are so many places in the Bible that talk about friendship. And I'm going to include some of those in the newsletter this week so that you'll have those. But for the sake of time, um, I just want to focus on this passage from Hebrews tonight. My hope is that it will speak to us about what friendship is supposed to look like in the kingdom of God. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, uh, we ask right now that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your word for us? Would you illuminate my words in a way that meld with your heart and your instruction for us today? May we be uh, changed by our encounter with you as we look into your scripture for truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So the bar is high. I used to high jump in high school. That's obviously not me. <laughs> I, I was terrible. I mean, I, I just did high jump to do something during off season because I couldn't run very fast. And uh, I never cleared it. I mean, that's like over your head high. Right, that that guy's jumping. That's the Olympics, some, some picture from the Olympics. I mean, my jumps were, if I cleared anything, it was like in here, like, okay? I never got that backwards Fosbury flop thing, really crazy, contorting your body. Um, so it was usually just one and done for me, and then go play spades in center field with uh, the rest of the other people that weren't doing anything at track. We have definitely raised the friendship bar high. 
The people who started this church did so out of a deep desire and a commitment to truly be in one another's lives, to be connected to one another. If you go to our website and look for the, the church covenant, you'll find the phrase one another all over that thing. I mean, we call our church community. The bar is high. I remember going, it was uh, back when we were going to, to Camp Tejas for family camp. I, I'm pretty sure it was in Giddings that I saw this. This isn't that sign. This is one I just found on the internet. But I remember seeing a church, I th I'm pretty sure it was in Giddings, whatever, you know, First Lutheran Church. And then the tagline was this, the friendliest church in town. And I'm thinking, the bar is pretty high if I show up, right? I mean, I better get like valet parking and a warm donut when I hit the door, and there better be lots of hugs involved, okay? I mean, you, you got a lot to live up to when you put that permanently on your sign. The bar really is high for us, though, in church. In fact, I think the church ought to be the best and the easiest place to find a friend. Jesus' people should have the most meaningful, most life-giving, most lasting friendships of anyone on this planet. Why? Because we're on the most meaningful, most life-giving, most lasting journey together. We're, we get to do something of eternal consequence with one another. And that journey began back when God made us and he spoke over us that it was not good for us to be alone. The interesting thing about when he said that in Genesis 2.18 was that those words were spoken before man disobeyed God and had fallen from grace. He said it when we still had that unbroken uh, friendship, that perfect fellowship with him. So we were created not just to be in relationship with God, but rather to be in relationship with God, with one another. And that's why when Jesus shows up thousands of years later, and he, and he comes on the scene, and he's restoring or beginning his you know, uh, reign and rule to restore order to all that has been broken. And he gets asked by someone, what is the most important thing to God? And he gives a, a two-part answer with equal parts that says to love God and to love one another. This life is a team effort. It's a group project. And we absolutely are meant to do it together. The writer of Hebrews knew this, whoever he or she was. And what we've got here is a letter written to some of the first Jewish Christians who were trying to figure out what it meant to live the old way to leave the old way and to begin to live this new life in Christ that, that they had been given. Um, the, uh, steeped in tradition of, of the Jewish faith. Uh, th that's what they understood. That's what they knew. These were the people that Hebrews is written to. And what, what's happening in, as we read the, this letter to them uh, is that they are in the process of finding out that it ain't so easy to do that. It's not really easy to leave that life behind. And there's a lot of people that don't like it. 
They're upset that you aren't practicing the, the Jewish faith properly anymore. And so we've got people that are being uh, shunned, uh, would be kind of the, the, the nice thing that was happening, but we've got people in the midst of, of this letter that are reading this that are being beaten, flogged, and, and even martyred for their faith in Christ. So this letter was written not only to give them some guidance to this new life in Christ, but also to encourage them to actually stick with it because their faith is, is kind of shaky. It's kind of teetering. As we'll see from this passage, it's obvious that God wanted to make sure that they knew that the only way to get it done, to do it right, to, to, to be able to endure was to do it as a team to do it as a family, to do it as a group of spiritual friends. I want you to listen to this passage again and see if you hear what I'm talking about. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You got it, right? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we, us, we, us, our, us, our, us, we, us, we, one another, together, one another. We're meant to do this together. Jesus said it. When he, when he said, I'm going to build my church, there really is power in community. But it isn't going to just happen. We have to discipline ourselves to make it happen. So how do we do that? How can we practice being true spiritual friends with one another? I think Hebrews, 3 gives, us, uh, Hebrews gives us three important truths to implement in our lives. Uh, so, in, in chapter 10, starting in verse 19, where he says, make sure this, yeah. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. A lot of that language... It really speaks to the Jewish Christians. It's steeped in their understanding of going to God. So don't get lost in all that. And we could break, it'd be a great sermon or study to, to look at all that. But we're not going to do that today. Just focus in on that verse 22 where it says, let us draw near to God. Because all that's about just going to God for them. Let us draw near to God. The first thing that we need to start doing in our lives if we're not already or we need to to renew our commitment to do or we need to understand about being friends for one another is that spiritual friends help each other go to God so what's a spiritual friend spiritual friends are the ones who I think are the most important friends in our life because they help us go to God they help us go to God. They're committed to the same thing. They're on the same road. C.S. Lewis said, 
that we picture friends side by side. Their eyes look ahead. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something, he says, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow, fellow travelers. We've got all kind of friends. You have all kind of friends. You've got work friends. You've got school friends. You've got church friends. You've got soccer friends. You've got essential oil friends. You've got domino friends and maybe even white mice friends. I don't know. I didn't say it. I don't know where he got that. I don't know what my white mice friends are. C.S. Lewis, not me. Uh, but the point is that we do stuff with our friends. We have something in common. We, we do stuff with them. We do God with our spiritual friends. And that's why I think these friends ought to be our best friends because of where we're going together. Let us draw near to God. Sometimes I really need us to help me draw near to God when I don't feel like drawing near to God. When did we stop being aggressive around here? When did we stop being those people who were always gonna find a way to say the hard things in love when needed? When did we start allowing you to say you don't feel like going to God and we just leave you alone because we don't want to offend you. Let us draw near to God. Well, I don't feel like it. What do you mean you don't feel like it? I don't feel like it. Well, then I'm coming over and I'm going to pray for you. I don't feel like praying. I didn't ask you. I don't feel like praying. You're not going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And by the way, Terry and Josh and Astrid and Gustavo are on their way over and they're going to come over and they're going to pray for you too. Let us draw near to God. Listen, there's going to be a time in your life when you feel like giving up. That is perfectly normal. I've been there Probably most everybody in this room has been there. If not, you will be at some point. But this ought to be normal too. That we have people around us that are going to lovingly remind us of the truth about who we are and about who God is. It can't always be based on our feelings. It has to be about the truth of God. Because when I ain't feeling it, I've got to have some we, some, some people with that full assurance that faith brings in verse 22, who are going to let me borrow some of that faith, who are going to let me lean into some of that faith so that I can go to God. If we're going to be the kind of friends that God intends for us to be to one another, then we must discipline ourselves to make it happen. All right, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The second way that we practice being a good friend is this. 
Friends give one another hope. Friends speak hope to one another. Jesus' people always have hope. We know how the story ends. It's what makes us salt and light in this world. If we really desire to be missional people in our world, then we've got to be people of hope. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the hope that we profess. One way to gauge your hope level is to listen to what's actually coming out of your mouth. What are you telling yourselves and others about the kind of hope that you have? You guys are either your own best or your own worst preachers. The words that are coming out of your mouth on a daily basis are either coming from a place of hope or a place of despair. Think about how you talk. Think about what's come out of your mouth recently. Did it come from a place of hope or a place of despair? You have been transformed by the saving work of Christ. And you possess the very spirit of God in your hearts. You have hope. As a result, shouldn't we sound like the most hopeful people in this world? Shouldn't that what become, that's what should be coming out of our mouth. Sometimes, though, it, it, we just can't get to it. We just can't, for whatever reason, profess it. I, I understand that. I get it. But that's when we need one another. That's when we need our spiritual friends to profess it for us. Sometimes you admittedly just don't know how you're going to get through a situation. You may be in the middle of one right now like that. But that's when... You need us to gather around you and say that we don't necessarily know how we're going to get through this either. But we're going to get through it together. Be people of hope. Speak about it so that you hear yourself saying it and so that others around you hear it too. All right, verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're a good friend when we uh, help each other go to God, when we give each other hope, and finally, friends, encourage one another. Let us consider. Means to pay careful attention or to look closely at in the original language. We can't do that when we're stressed. Thad talked last week about slowing down and simplifying our lives. If you weren't here, go back and listen to that. That's a big part of it. We simply cannot be stressed and encouraging to one another at the same time. It is physically impossible. There's actually a part of our brain that scientists call the reptile brain. Some of you may have studied this. I'm not a brain scientist. I just read what I read. It's basically uh, the, the part of our brain that's focused on survival, the reptilian brain. So, guys, this is the part of our brain that says really stupid things when we're, when we're, when we're in an argument with our wife. 
Um, just ask mine. Reptiles don't love. Your pet boa constrictor that's crawled up into bed with you and stretched out beside you is not doing that to be affectionate. He's sizing you up to decide whether or not he can eat you. That's what reptiles do. When we're stressed or busy, our reptile brain takes over our neocortex. That's the part of our brain that makes good decisions. That's the part of our brain that rationalizes, that prays, that shows gratitude, that loves. They call this phenomenon cortical inhibition. John Gordon, who's a kind of a motivational guy, um, calls this uh, part of our brain the positive dog. I like that. And he talks about not letting our reptile eat our positive dog. Let us consider, let us pause, let us think about what we're going to say. Uh, scientists also tell us that we, we have about a quarter of a second to stop that reptilian response and access our neocortex and make a good decision about what we say. Say something more appropriate. A quarter of a second, but it's still there. It's still possible. Don't let your positive dog get eaten by your reptile. This is like what happens to Bruce Banner right before he turns into the Hulk. So think about that image next time you're kind of starting to lose it. In other words, stress and worry and busyness are never going to be conduits for good friendship. Just not going to happen. They turn our attention to survival. We get in that mode. And when we're in that mode, we're selfish. We have to be. We get defensive. We say dumb things. We don't think about loving other people. That's what survival mode does to us. And we often justify our actions based on the circumstances that we're in because we're so consumed with what's going on with us. We're so fixed on our problems. The only way out of that mess is for us to slow down. Let us consider. Hmm. What could I do? How could I speak? How could I act? The phrase in the Greek really takes it a step further. It actually means that we should proactively, strategically plan how we can encourage someone. That we should proactively, strategically get a plan together to decide how, who and how we're going to encourage. What if we did that? What if we did that instead of feeling sorry for ourselves? Well, no one cares about me. I mean, I'm standing out there in the lobby and I'm clearly waiting for someone to come up and talk to me. Ask me what's going on. Nobody cares. What if instead, when we showed up here, we were on a mission? I, I got to find James Bernard. Where's Terry Steele? I need to share something with him. I have something important to tell her. Like that, like we're, we're on a mission because we've thought about it. We've prayed about it. And we're, we're really hoping that those people are going to be here to share this with. I'm not saying that nobody does this stuff. 
Many of you are great at it. Astra did it uh, Wednesday night at the member meeting. But what if each of us really devoted some time before we came on Sundays and before we went to Com Group each week and really thought about who the Spirit wanted us to encourage that day, who the Spirit wanted us to encourage, and what He wanted us to say to them? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I would love to be at those things. That would, I would look forward to that. Like, I, I get to do this, and, and I get to see this happening. I mean, I think other people would enjoy that, too. I think you would enjoy that. I think we might even, like, want to bring people to something like that. Like, that would be great. So as he goes on, the phrase spur on in the original Greek actually is a noun that means an irritation. So let's put it all together. So in other words, he's saying, let us consider how we might be so committed to encouraging one another to keep the faith, to serve, and to allow the Lord to work through them that we might literally pester them until they get it. That's what he's saying. You've got to, don't give up, be a pest. Like, make this happen for one another. I'm going to encourage you until you can't stand it anymore. Not like the guy at Slotsky's. If you've ever been to the Slotsky's over here, then you know what I'm talking about. There, there's a guy in just, like, overly friendly. Calm down. Uh, but, but be a pest to one another until you get it, until you're, you're able to, like, see it happening, that they, they receive it, and, and they're spurred on to do something with it themselves. Hebrews is very clear about one thing, though. There's no way that we can do this if we stop meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some of these early Christians either had just gotten apathetic towards church gatherings or it just became too problematic for them for various reasons, and they decided to quit coming. That happens all the time in today's church, and this church is certainly not exempt. I know it's Labor Day weekend. We're not going to judge, but it happens, okay? One of the comments that we, uh, we did a member survey recently, and, and in that survey, uh, there was a chance to make some comments and one of the, the, the things that popped up a couple of times uh, or more about comm groups was uh, a frustration about people not being committed to be there. And I've, I've heard that from, you know, just in various conversations as well. The easiest part of this discipline of spiritual friendship is to just show up. Just show up. I mean, you've you got, put it on your calendar, that's a discipline, and then show up for it. That's a discipline. That's pretty easy. Like, I don't have to have a whole lot going on with Jesus to get some spiritual discipline done right off the bat. Check. Here I am. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm here. Just show up. Don't let yourself, and I probably should add, don't let one another get into the habit of not showing up. Limp in if you have to. That's okay, because next week, somebody else is probably going to limp in, and you'll be able to minister to them. Do what you got to do 
I seriously think we should consider taking role every Sunday in every com group. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but because I think we should be looking out for one another. We should be thinking about where are they? And, and what I more importantly mean is that it should be next to impossible for anyone in this church to ever give up. We need to all be committed to that. Don't let each other give up. Hebrews 10 closes with this truth from verse 39. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Here's the cool thing. Once we've gotten this just showing up part down, and then we really get in the groove of spurring one another on and encouraging and hope giving and going to God, I promise you it's going to be amazing. Amazing. It may even be revival. I'm serious. It's going to be good. Right now the slate is clean. We start a brand new season of Congroups this week. Let's recommit ourselves to doing these things with our people. Let's be the kind of friends that go to God together, that speak hope, and that encourage one another as we meet together. Now, I know that most of our groups are pretty big this year. Um, that is a temporary thing. And I want us as groups uh, to work that out together, to figure out what makes sense next for your group, instead of just putting you in smaller groups. Because one of the things that, that the bigger groups are gonna guarantee is that we're never gonna have to worry about canceling a group on a Wednesday night because enough people were canceling themselves and not showing up. That's just not gonna happen with the size of groups that we have. So you're always gonna have a chance to be there to uh, to, to help somebody go to God, to give hope to somebody, to speak hope to somebody, and to encourage somebody, and hopefully receive that as well. Um, my hope is that crazy things happen this year, that uh, maybe even before January, some of your groups are deciding to be two groups or three groups, who knows. Uh, let's, let's talk that out with one another. Let's Let's figure this out together uh, in, in the spirit of commitment to what we're doing and how best to accomplish that. As I wrap up, I, I want to say this. God is not ever going to give up on you. Never. He's going to keep pursuing you. He's going to stay after you. He came to this earth and he died and he rose again to recreate you in Christ Jesus. And he did that so that he could be in friendship with you, to be in a love relationship with you. I think it's apparent from these verses that we've looked at that we should also be just as relentless in our pursuit of one another and quick and able to see that God is pursuing us through our brothers and sisters, through our, our friends. Jesus said it best, by this, 
Everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. As we sing to close out our time tonight, um, I, I first want to say this. I want you to know that it's always okay and that it's a, a completely appropriate if you ever want to come up to me or to Thad or go to anybody and just ask for prayer. That's a good thing. That's, that should be a normal thing. It's also okay for you to go up and just pray for somebody if you feel led to do that. All right, that's my friendly public service announcement about worship. Um, so as we sing, I want to ask you to consider a couple of things. We're going to sing a song about God's crazy love for, it, for us. So as you're singing and as you're communing and fellowshipping with the Spirit, I just want you to think about a couple of things. One, really think about how you were called to be a conduit for that same kind of crazy love to one another. And then secondly, I want to ask you to make a fresh commitment to God, to each other, as the people of Community Church, to begin, as we begin this new year, con, con groups, to do that for one another, to be that for one another, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Let's stand and sing and profess our hope. Amen. Amen.